Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Hey, here we are once again, Growing in Grace. I'm Joel Brzezinski, Mike Kapler along with me sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, I was talking with somebody else recently, Cap, about how, you know, we can make law out of grace, so to speak, you know, trying to get people to understand it. It can be just merely doctrine. But what this message of grace is meant to do is it's meant to point people to the person of Jesus Christ. Because what life in Christ really is about is that we died with him and we rose again together with him. That's what Paul wanted to know. Christ and him crucified, and to know Christ in his resurrection. And that's really what it's about. So, I mean, if all this is is doctrine to people, then we've missed the point. We're really trying to point people to the person of Jesus Christ. So just wanted to say that as we start out uh, this week. It's easy to lose that perspective for any of us. And it's, it's, it was easy to take for granted what you just said, because it can flow right past us so easily. But that phrase that you used, the person of Jesus Christ, sometimes we just get so tied up with our theology, our doctrine, our religion, our church. Sometimes, don't misunderstand me here, but sometimes even the Bible. Uh, you know, Jesus told some some Jewish people, he said that you search the Scripture. Of course, he would have been talking about the Old Testament as we know it. But you search the Scripture thinking you'll find eternal life there. And those Scriptures testify of me. And so it's, we don't find life in the Bible. We love the Bible. As you've been listening to us, you've heard us quoted a few times. We find truth in the Scripture. But the only source of life is going to be found in the person mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ, who, by the way, is the Word manifested in the flesh. That really is it. You know, God didn't send Christ just so that we would have a head full of knowledge. It's wonderful to have this knowledge and this understanding. You know, Cap, you and me, for the last 20 years, it's set us free, the knowledge that we have, the understanding, and we've seen it set other people free. But really, again, what the freedom is, is the person of Jesus Christ, knowing him. So we always want to make sure that we're pointing to Christ, even when we're off on a subject for three weeks, like tithing. We love talking about this stuff, too, because so many people have been bound up by a teaching that says that you have to tithe, and that changes tithing. The biblical tithe, which was the Jewish people giving 10% of their crops and animals, their food, to feed the Levites, we've turned that into giving 10% of your income to a church? How did that ever happen? There's all kinds of reasons why that happened. But uh, this week, the very first mention of a tithe in the Bible is in Genesis 14, Abraham, and it was a voluntary tithe. Just to make the story real quick, Abraham, he had a nephew named Lot. There was a battle, there was a war, four kings going up against five kings. Well, in the process of this war, Lot's family and all of his possessions got taken, and they were held captive. Abraham got a little army together, like 300 and something people, went and killed some people to win back Lot and his family and all the goods 
And on the way back, this Melchizedek, the king of Salem and high priest, Abraham met him and he gave a tithe of all. Now, what was the tithe? Was it a tithe of all of Abraham's possessions? Was it a tithe of his wealth? Was it a tithe of his money? Was it a tithe of food? It wasn't even a tithe of food. In this case, it was a tithe of the spoils of war. You know, people like to use this Abraham's tithe. Well, Abraham was the father of our faith, and so we should use this principle of tithing that we get from Abraham. Well, (laughs) if you want to use Abraham for a principle of tithing, then go out into war, kill some people, bring back the booty, and uh, meet a high priest along the way and give him a tenth of everything. Then I think you've done Abraham's tithe pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it. I mean, yeah, people got slaughtered. Abraham acquired their stuff and tithed from that. And how many times did he do this? Right. Was it every week? Was it weekly, monthly, <laughs> annually? This was a one-time thing. Yeah, that's all that was recorded. But some people will say, well, in fact, I, I read this from a, a well-respected, nationally known minister recently. I read this online where he said uh, the tithe is really not an, an old or new covenant concept. It's a life principle. And I'll say, look, giving is a life principle. The tithe here, it was a type of a principle. And yes, this was before the law, but putting it in the context of what you were just talking about there, Joel, most people will assume this was something Abraham did regularly, but he just didn't go to war that often, did he? (laughs) Right. I mean, that's the thing. It was all a response to his nephew and and his family being taken. It was the spoils of war that he brought back, and it was actually back at that time in the Middle East, in that area. Some people say it was a custom, some people say it was a law, that the of the spoils of war, you had to give a tenth to the local king or the local high priest. You know, you could say that Abraham was just doing what the law or the custom required, but either way, whether it was voluntary or whether it was because of the local laws, or national laws or whatever. Either way, it was the spoils of war. It wasn't his own income. It had nothing to do with any of that. It was a tithe to this high priest, Melchizedek. Now, I'm going to get into that because Hebrews 7, a lot of people will bring up Hebrews 7 saying, Hebrews 7 makes the case that we should tithe because it talks about Abraham tithing to Melchizedek, and Melchizedek is greater than Abraham, and so Melchizedek is a a type of Jesus, and so we should tithe to Jesus. The logic goes something like that anyway. Really, what's going on in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, is that the writer, from the very beginning to the very end, is trying to show how Jesus is greater than the Old Covenant. Jesus himself is the way. And as part of trying to show how Jesus is better than the Old Covenant, the writer of Hebrews brings in Abraham's tithe to Melchizedek. Now, here's the thing. The fact that Abraham tithed to Melchizedek shows that Melchizedek is greater than Abraham. That's really the point that's being made. And why is that important? Because, as Hebrews talks about, Jesus is high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. It says that in the book of Hebrews five or six times. That's the point that's being made. So since Melchizedek is greater than Abraham, that means Jesus is greater than Abraham. And here's the other thing that's added in there. The Levites, as we've talked about, they were the ones who received the tithes. Well, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, 
The Levites were still in Abraham. They hadn't been born yet when Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. And so the writer points out here, therefore, Melchizedek is greater than the Levites. So you see how this is so important. Melchizedek is greater than the Levites, and so Jesus is greater than the Levites. Jesus couldn't be our high priest unless he was greater than the Levites, because the law said that the priesthood had to come from Aaron and the Levites. But Jesus came from Judah, so Jesus couldn't be our high priest unless he was greater than the Levites. So that's really what that is all about. It was about Jesus being greater than both Abraham and the Levites, and therefore doing away with the Old Covenant. It says in verse 18 of Hebrews 7, this is what it is really building up to. For on the one hand, there is the annulling of the former commandment, that's the law and the Old Covenant, because of its weakness and unprofitableness, for the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing of a better hope, that's Jesus Christ, through which we draw near to God. So when you look at Hebrews 7, the whole purpose of that is to show the superiority of Jesus over the Old Covenant. Yeah, the person of Jesus Christ would be superior to everything. And it, and, and it even mentions that he is from the tribe of Judah, of which, under the law, nothing was said concerning priests when it came to the to the tribe of Judah. But that's where Jesus was from. So now that we've got this change of priesthood from the, the Levitical priesthood to the priesthood of Christ, there's also a, a change of law that comes with that. Because regardless of, of what happened prior to the law, with any kind of tithing, and we just gave Abraham as, as an example uh, earlier, regardless of that, it did become a part of the law, and it was designed to feed the tribe of the Levites. If you missed out on that, uh, go back over the last couple of weeks, and you'll see some things there about that. But Joel, I, one thing about this that I, I think we can be wrapping up with, because we're down to a couple minutes. The Bible talks about the law, of which there are many different commands and rules within that law, about 613 of them. But it's referred to as the law because it was a package. They, they, they were not meant to be broken up. Similarly, the curse of the law, there were a lot of curses in, in the Old Testament. You, you'll find about, in the NASB, I think I counted, uh, looking in the concordance, 172 references with the words curse, curses, or cursed in the NASB. Some of those verses mention the word more than once. Whereas in New Covenant scriptures, we had about nine verses listed with the words curse or cursed, and none of them are in reference to us being under a curse, nor do they imply us being cursed in any way. There was also about four references in the, in the four Gospels with that word. So we have been redeemed, all people, Jew, Gentile, or whatever, have been redeemed from any curse from the law. Christ redeemed all people from that. Israel needed to be redeemed because they were the ones that were under that law. But you are not bound by any curse of any law, including this thing about not tithing. So you're not bound by that. You are now free to give. You've been released from that sort of a, a bondage. And it's a completely different system as we've been talking about. Now you're free to give. And that's built into you in, in your new identity in Christ. Mm -hmm, that's right. And uh, just real quick, uh, there's one verse here in Hebrews 7 that people use to say that, see, it says we're supposed to tithe. Verse 8 says, Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. And so people say, see, here mortal men receive tithes. Well, they think that that means the pastor in the, in the church. But what it's talking about, when this was written, the book of Hebrews, almost 2,000 years ago, the mortal men who received tithes, 
were the Levites. And the one where it says, but there he receives them, it was talking about Melchizedek. So again, it all ties in, and it has nothing to do with us actually tithing. Hebrews 7 isn't telling us that we need to tithe. It's showing the superiority of Jesus over the Old Covenant. And like uh, Kat was saying there, we certainly encourage you to give. We hope that you can be freed from this feeling like there's a curse or feeling that you're obligated to give a certain amount or a certain percent of money, and you can be freed to look into your own heart and decide freely how much of your money, how much of your time, and what resources you want to give, and where you want to give it to. It doesn't have to be a church. It most certainly can be a church, but it doesn't have to be. But the point is, is that you're free to give however you want, however much you want, and to whomever you want, or don't want to. You're free. You're free from a a system of rules that tells you how much and what you have to give and you're freed into a system uh, in which you live freely from the heart. And speaking of that, that's kind of what we're going to be moving into next week. You know, we talk a lot about how we've been freed from the law, freed from a system of rules in our life in Christ, but we've been freed into something even better, uh, the life of Christ in us, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's what's coming up next week right here on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.